2 Corinthians chapter 5, and since we're observing Martin Luther King Day tomorrow, I can preach to midnight, praise God. I can play volleyball all morning, I don't care, but um, uh, I'll, I'll try to be to the point, but I want to preach a very important subject. I've liked our theme because I've been able to um, uh, preach on some subjects like heaven this morning, hell last week, pioneer spirit last Sunday night, and tonight I want to have... Uh, I want to preach on what happens when you uh, go to heaven after the rapture, the moment it takes place, and when you face the Lord, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to tell you something, folks, if this doctrine of the second coming doesn't change your life, you don't really understand it. And this morning we talked about the tears being wiped away, you're going to find out why there's tears in heaven. And I believe they're there for a thousand seven years before he wipes them away. By the way, Wednesday night, Brother Jeremy starts a Wednesday night series on the book of Daniel. You won't want to miss that. And he's going to preach as long as he wants, many weeks as he wants. I'll sit on the front row and amen him. And uh, going through the great book of Daniel that corresponds with the book of Revelation. And uh, he'll be uh, starting that this Wednesday night at our regular prayer meeting. So all you Master Club leaders, catch it on Internet, you'll learn a lot. All right, let's stand on the Word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5 through 11. I want to say how much I appreciate our deacons, that I don't have to be all upset after a deacon's meeting and can't preach. It's just peaceful, joyful, very constructive, and I appreciate the men of God and the unity that we have in our uh, ministry of deacons. They're servants, amen, and they help the preacher study and pray more. That's what a biblical deacon's all about. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5 through 11, the Bible says this, He that hath wrought us for the self-same thing is God, who has given us unto us, given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we're in the, at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. And we walk by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor, as a word that's hard, labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. What a, what a, what a goal, to be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore, now listen, <clears throat> knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, <clears throat> but we are made manifest unto God. That means he knows all about us. And I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good week we've had. We thank you for the good surgery that Brother Steve got through and thank you for Miss Becky being in uh, physical therapy. Lord, we thank you for uh, your grace uh, to bear things that we could never bear in the flesh. And I pray to God for this week, it'd be a good week. <clears throat> I pray for families that are struggling, uh, seeing their loved ones uh, in so much pain and suffering. And Lord, those that's lost loved ones, I know it's a heartbreak, a heartache, uh, just a shock. And so, Lord, please give them a good week. 
uh, to bear each day, each moment by faith and not by flesh. And God, at the judgment seat of Christ, will give a count of how we spend day by day to you. God, help us to realize what an awesome thing it is to serve the Lord and what a great privilege it is to be a servant of the living God. Amen. And we'll praise you and thank you for what you're doing through this message in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible describes the judgment seat of Christ, and that judgment is not the judgment of sin. The judgment of sin took place 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary. Our sins were judged. And folks, I want you to know our sins were cast from the east, as far as the east is from the west. Then we have the judgment seat of Christ is the second judgment. That's for believers and what they do with the opportunities they have. Uh, I believe with all my heart we'll give account of how faithful we are to Sunday school at the judgment seat of Christ. And I want to tell you something. Some, some, so, many, so many people are so busy about entertaining themselves on Saturday. They wore out on Sunday morning. So they slide in here late. You're going to give account to God for that. because You're not to live for yourself. You're to live for God's glory. Amen. Judgment seat of Christ is going to bring out a lot of things about our life uh, that we really don't want to face. Or admit. Then the judgment of the nation of Israel, and that's the tribulation, that's Jacob's trouble, um, described in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, but also Revelation 6 through 18. You don't want to be there. And the church is never mentioned in Revelation 6 through 18 because we're not there. Say amen. But it's Jacob's trouble. It's, all, it's the trouble of all those that are left behind after the rapture. Revelation 4 1 says, Come up hither, that's the rapture. Then we got the judgment of the nations, and I really don't understand all these judgments, but I know the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. But the judgment of the nations, Jesus returns to the earth and separates the sheep from the goat nations. That's Matthew chapter 25. Then the fifth judgment is the great white throne judgment. Now pray to God you're not there because that's for the lost. And um, if you're lost, I beg you to get saved and not be at that judgment. Because it's going to be a horrendous judgment. And folks, I want you to know the sin question's been settled. That's not for the judgment seat of Christ. Isaiah 38, verse 17 says, cast all your sins behind his back. In Psalms 103, verse 12, the Bible says he cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, I like this one. He not only forgives, but he forgets your sin. <clears throat> now, he's not a forgetful God. He's a sovereign God. <clears throat> but he, he gives us a free will. A free will. He gives us such a free will that we can shorten our life. Yes. He gives us a free will. We can come to church if we want to or we don't have to. He ain't going to make you. He's not going to inoculate you. He's going to force you. Now, he can have things happen in your life to drive you to your knees. But I want to tell you something, friend. He forgives and he forgets. <clears throat> and that doesn't mean he forgets like uh, a sovereign God would forget, but he treats you as if you didn't do it. He, uh, does, he, 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 he doesn't hold that to your account because he put it on his account at Calvary. So the sin question is settled. It was judged at Calvary. <clears throat> now, if you're under the blood, the sins are gone, amen? And then I want you to notice the Jesuits here to Christ this morning or tonight. Number one is a test. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. So if we must all appear for the judgment seat of Christ, that every one of you may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. 
That don't sound like salvation to me. It says we and us uh, <clears throat> in verse uh, 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Let every one of uh, everyone <clears throat> may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Excuse me. I need some water. But uh, I want you to look at this. Folks, listen, every child of God must stand before Jesus and give account of his entire life from the moment he's saved to the moment of death or the moment he was saved <clears throat> to the time the rapture trumpet sounds, you're going to give account. That's an awesome thought. And I'll tell you something, friend, it's a scary thought. The Bible says in verse 11, knowing the terror of the Lord. Folks, one day, we're going to face him. And we ought to face him every day of our life and fear him, reverence him. He knows your life. He knows your motive. Folks, the fear of God is knowing God knows. You know God knows. God knows what you're thinking right now. God knows what's the priority of your life, self or the Savior. He knows. But every one of us is going to give account. Romans 14, 12 says this. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. <clears throat> now listen, you're not going to give account to Sister Flapjaw. You're not going to give account for Mr. Sounding Brass and Tinkling Cymbal. And everybody gets all upset about the hypocrites. And everybody gets all upset about this one that's not doing as much as you think they ought to do. Folks, I want to tell you something. You're going to give account of yourself. Amen. Yourself. So folks, at the first, if you want to be judgmental, you first ought to judge yourself. You ought to examine yourself. Uh, the judgment seat, the, literally the word, stand before the judgment seat of Christ in verse 10, is, the, uh, is where the, we get the Greek word <clears throat> bima. A uh, judge sits on a high and lifted up uh, podium or stand, or thrown at an athletic uh, uh, event. And folks, it's a seat of judgment. Thousands of seats of spectators, but there's only one judge. One seat different than all the rest. It's elevated high and above. And we stand before the Bema, and folks, I want to tell you something. God sees us now. God knows where you're at now. God knows your thought life. God knows what you going through. God knows, God knows um, if you've been good or bad and God knows your motive. God knows everything about you. That's an awesome thought that he knows. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse nine says this, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Wherein thou hast done foolishness, therefore from hence thou shalt have wars. Hebrews 4.13 says this, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Folks, God knows. God knows your heart. Aren't you glad God knows where you're at today? Because he not only knows, he cares. And he not only cares, but he'll help. But folks, also, he knows why you do what you do when you do it. So you're not going to be judged of the judgment of Christ just by all the things you did. You're going to be judged by why you did what you did. That's an 
awesome thought that you're going to be judged according to your motive. Why do you teach Sunday school? Why do you run that bus route? Why do you serve as a deacon? Why do you preach? Why do you visit? Folks, the key is in this chapter. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 says this, for the love of Christ constraineth us. You know why you ought to do what you do? Because you love Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know why you ought to show up at Sunday school when you feel like sleeping in? You love Jesus. And you want others to love Jesus. You know why you go soul winning? Because you love Jesus. You know why you ought to be in every service? Because you love Jesus. You know why you ought to read your Bible every day? So I can fill out that little ticket and hand it in. Get a free popsicle at the end of the year. No! That you can love Jesus more. Because you know him. The better you know him. Constrained means surrounded, moved, motivated. Folks, we need to realize that we don't serve God to get something. We don't serve God for the limelight. We don't serve God to be seen of man. We serve God because he first served us at Calvary. Say amen. If he didn't do anything else for you, he died in your place. He took your sin debt. He saved your unworthy soul. We ought to serve him with all gladness, not as some stinking duty. Pardon a bad expression. I'll retract that from the tape. We need to, we need to serve him because, folks, he served us at Calvary. Now, folks, I want to show you the judgment seat of Christ in another passage, and it blesses my heart every time I read it, but it also stirs my heart to be more faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please. I want to show you this briefly. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Why are you here tonight? Why do you go soul winning? Why do you pray? Well, folks, I don't know, and sometimes you probably don't know, but God knows exactly why you're doing what you're doing. And that's what's going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. We need to get our motives right. Look at verse 11, 1 Corinthians 3. It says, For other foundations can no man lay than this lane, which is Christ Jesus. Now you get in by salvation, by Jesus. That's the foundation. But he expects you to be good stewards, Sunday school lesson, and build upon what God's given you. Look at verse 12. Now if any man build upon foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest. There it is, judgment seat of Christ now. For the day shall declare it, the day of judgment, because it shall be revealed by fire, and, by, and the fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. Hear that? What sort it is. Motive. Motive. Why you did what you did. Look at this. If any man's works abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a what? Reward. But if any man's works shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. You can lose rewards. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Folks, this is speaking to Christians upon the foundation of salvation, Jesus Christ. All believers have works, good, some bad, but God puts the works through the testing at the judgment seat of Christ. They'll come out gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, stubble. Folks, listen, we're saved, we're saved forever. Amen. We can't slip out of God's fingers or be plucked out of his hand because we are part of the body. 
And we're saved forever. Can somebody say amen there? We're saved for eternity. But folks, we're not sanctified for eternity. And every day we need to choose by faith to yield to the Spirit of God and serve Him with gladness and serve Him with willingness and serve Him out of love. Out of love. I want you to notice the word uh, in um, uh, this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, so as by fire. You're saved so as by fire. What in the world does that mean? Folks, what that means, by the skin of your teeth, you get in. I've heard this before, and I think it's one of the dumbest statements I've ever heard. Well, I don't care about works. I don't care about crowns. All I want to do is get in. I'm just glad I'm saved. That's all I care about. Well, I'm going to tell you something, friend. There's more to it than that, because you're going to face Jesus with those crowns. And the Bible describes it in 1 John 2, 28. 1 John 2, 28. There's two crowds of Christians in the Bible. 1 John 2, 28, look at it. The Bible says in 1 John 2, in verse 28, it says, and now little children, that's by faith, abide in him, that's really by faith, that means obey, that when he shall appear, when is that? Rapture. When the soul, the personality, the being reunites with that old worn out carcass. I was talking to somebody today about we're going to start a Whitfield Baptist Cemetery. Amen. Brother Stony Pond has been on that for a long time. We're going to all be buried together. Won't that be fun? Praise God. We can all just be buried on the same plot. Amen. Everybody ought to have your own plot. Amen. You ought to be prepared to die. Amen. I took out insurance on my wife so I wouldn't go in the hole when she died. I got it on her just burial expense. And it's grown. Praise God. I'm, I'm I mean, I'm going to have a lot left over. But, you know, I, I, I hope she lives, outlives me, and she probably will the way I live, you know, full out, all out, heart attack coming. But I want to say this. I want to say this, friend. It's more than just going to the grave. The moment the rapture takes place, you're going to face him. You're going to face him. When he shall appear, rapture, soul united with the body. The body will have to be, miraculously put back together. Don't worry about that. God knows how to do that. Some people were burned. Some people were dust. I do believe in Christian burial, not, not cremation for the simple fact that we believe the rapture and we believe the body comes out of the grave. So I prefer that. I don't think you can be kicked out of the church for cremating yourself because it's a lot cheaper. But um, folks, I believe in burial. I believe you ought to be planted. Amen. Just thought I'd say that and make somebody mad. But listen, and now little children, abide in him that he may appear. Now listen to this. We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him and his coming. Two crowds, ashamed or confident. Amen? You're going to be smiling or sighing when you face Jesus. 1 Peter 1 and 11. 2 Peter, excuse me. It says, for an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto everlasting kingdom. There's an abundant entrance and there's a backdoor entrance. You say, well, I don't care about no abundant I'm just glad to be there. No, you ain't seen the rest of the story yet. Folks, it's what you do with those crowns that's very, very important. Say amen right there. And so listen, folks, the judgment seat of Christ is going to bring everything out, everything out of what sort it is. And folks, it says, so as by fire. That means you're going to get saved and you can go to heaven with no rewards. No faithfulness, no love for God. 
He'll save you anyway by His grace. But you'll face Him empty-handed. You'll face Him with tears. Why do you think there's crying in heaven? There's something in people's hearts of making them cry in heaven because He wipes the tears away. I'll show you that in just a minute. And so I want you to know, I want you to notice this. I want you to notice it clearly. Is that, um, folks, there is a judgment coming. And folks, there is precious silver and stone or there's wood, hay, and stubble. It's your choice. It's your choice. Uh, God gives eternal life as a gift and that gift cannot be lost. But rewards, crowns for service can be lost. If you don't end right, you'll lose your crown. I'm going to tell you something, friend. You do something that's not God's will to exit this world, you lose your crowns. I don't mean to bring this up, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. God has a will. And God's will is this. He's in charge of when you leave. He's the author and finisher of your life. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a great loss. Now, little children, abide in him. When he shall appear, you shall have confidence. And still, folks, we're saved by the skin of our teeth as by fire. But folks, I want to tell you something. If you love Jesus, you want to have a whole lot of crowns to cast at his feet. Amen. And say, Lord, I brought this to you, my life. Number two, the judgment seat is a place of triumph or tears. Triumph or tears. Here's number one, a test. Number two, triumph or tears. I want you to know if you're going to have a triumphant entrance or you're going to face Jesus with tears. For the ones who motive was pure, who wanted to serve Jesus, who wanted to win souls, who were faithful, that's one thing you can be, you shall receive a crown. But there's also not only triumphant group, there's a tearful group. The book of Revelation is written chronologically in order as it takes place. Folks, the Bible says, write those things which you've seen, which are, and which shall be. That's Revelation 1.19. That's outline of the whole book. In chapter 2 and 3, uh, you have the church age. That's present. Chapter 1 is the past. Chapter 4 through 22 is the future. Chapter 4, verse 1 is the rapture. Come up hither. Chapter 6 through 18 is the seven-year tribulation. You don't want to be there. Chapter 19, Christ returns to this earth. Chapter 20, he rules a thousand years. But wait a minute, listen very closely now. In chapter 21, he wipes away the tears. Now according to my book, your book, the Bible, from the rapture, that's been 1,007 years. Seven years tribulation, 1,000 years millennial reign. So when he comes to wiping the tears away, it's after the rapture, it's after the tribulation, it's after the thousand years reign, it's a thousand seven years. Now it's finished. Heaven wouldn't be good if you're crying all the time. Heaven wouldn't look good, be good if you're regretting all the time, you're depressed all the time. So in Revelation 21, 4, he wipes the tears away. Says, that's enough. But for a thousand seven years you're crying if you're regretting and ashamed. Because the Bible says in 1 John 2, 28, little children, um, when he shall appear, you shall either face him ashamed or confident. Confident or ashamed. 
Confident or ashamed? That's the question of the hour. Do you want to face him confident or ashamed? And folks, that's the crowd that lost their rewards, that has no rewards, that got to heaven by the skin of their teeth, so as by fire. They're saved, yes, but they did not have an abundant entrance. They just got to heaven. Why are they weeping? I'll, let, I'll answer that question and we'll close. Number one, because of neglected opportunities. The unsaved loved ones did little about, about it. No personal witnessing. They were, more, they were more possessed with sports and pleasure. and TV was first place. To him that knoweth to do good and to do it not is sin. And so there's neglected opportunities. And I want to say this. I believe we Americans are going to have a stricter judgment than those that's never heard. And maybe they just got saved and they didn't have opportunities and they died because of being a martyr's death. We in America have freedom. We have opportunity. Folks, there is a church on every block. There is a radio program on every podcast. There's opportunity after opportunity to grow and to go and to glow and to be a great Christian in America. But what do we do? We serve God when we feel like it. We serve God when we can get something out of it. This ain't no cafe, smorgasbord board, uh, church. You come and get the collard greens. You come and get the main diet. Listen, my friend, you don't come just for yourself. You come for the worship God Amen. and to grow and to be better equipped, be better soldiers, that beautiful song said this morning. Soldiers, choir, soldiers. Not just singers, soldiers. Last time I checked, military men, they don't just choose what they're going to do. They have a commander. They have to go to the war and and folks, listen, we have an opportunity to stand for God in these last days more than ever. I was taking Brother Gates up Doug Get Road and he said, good night, there's a no He said, look at that, that, there's a moss. I said, yeah, you ought to come back and teach us how to reach them. Then, then we drove about two more blocks. He said, man, there's another cult, Jehovah Witnesses. I said, hey, don't miss this one. Look to your left, there's a karate, karate studio that's a, a cover-up for the Buddhists. And I said, I can take you up to Walmart and there's the Mormons. Or I can take you to the new bank up here and there's the hyper-Calvinists. <clears throat> All cults. And folks, I want to tell you something. We've got an opportunity to stand for God in these last days. Have an abundant entrance. Neglected opportunities. Then number two, neglected holiness. You know you're saved, you ought to show it. You ought to show it. You ought to be like Jesus. That ought to be the most important goal of your life to be accepted of Him. Christians decide, are you going to work for God for 70 years on this side of, of, the, of, of, of eternity and send treasures ahead? Or are you going to waste your little 70 years or 80 years on yourself? Abundant entrance. Go triumphant. So you either got tears or triumphant. The Bible says in Revelation 3.11, hold fast to what you have that no man take your crown. Half of you asleep, but I'm going to finish this message anyway. Amen. Listen, I want to tell you something. God help us not to lose our crown. 
God help us not to lose our crown. And I want to tell you something. Paul was scourged five times, more than our Lord. Opened cat of nine tails five times. Three times, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, he was beat with a rod like a baseball bat. One time rocks, stone, and he was thrown into a dumpster. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. They threw him out as a dead man in Lystria. Three times he was thrown off a ship. You know what he said to all that? I keep my body under subjection lest when I preach to others I become a castaway, a disappointment. That I lose my rewards. He feared. He feared sin. He feared self. But he feared the loss of his rewards. Let me close by saying this. Folks, there's several crowns you're going, you can earn. The crown of glory, shepherd's crown, 1 Peter 5, 2. The watcher's crown, 2 Timothy 4, 8. That you love God and love his appearing. The runner's crown, incorruptible crown. The, the sufferer's crown, crown of life, James 1, 12. And folks, all those crowns, the soul winner's crown, um, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. And folks, all that. It's going to be cast at his feet. So you got the test, you got the triumph or the tears, but last but not least, you got the time of the judgment seat. I want you to look at Luke 14, 14, please. Luke 14, 14. And I want to show you something that I was straightened out on many times, many, many times ago. It says, And thou shalt be blessed. I'll wait on you. It says in Luke 14, 14. It says, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed or judged or rewarded at the resurrection of the just. What's the resurrection of the just? The rapture. The rapture. So folks, the judgment seat of Christ has not taken place, and it does not take place individually as you die. We're waiting for the judgment. We're all going to be judged at the same time. 1 Peter 4, 5, 4 says this, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, we shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. I've already read this twice. I'm going to read it one more time. 1 Peter 2, 28, And now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. Folks, I want to tell you something. I hope I'm way down the line from John the Baptist. I hope I'm way down the line from the Apostle Paul. Matter of fact, I hope I'm way down the line from Fanny J. Crosby, the great hymn writer. Because I'm going to tell you this, friend. They're going to receive a crown. And I hope I have a half a crown. But I want to tell you something. I'm glad that God's not a respecter of persons and I can be as faithful as they can be. I want to close with giving you the letter from an atheist. Changed C.T. Studd's life. C.T. Studd was a great athlete, very rich and prosperous family. He gave it all up to go on the mission field. He lived to be he lived from 1860 to 1931. He read this track written by an atheist. Dramatically changed his life. I want to read it to you. Just a couple of paragraphs. Can y'all stay with me that long? Yes. Amen. We're gonna stay up half the night to eat, party, celebrate. Something, I don't know what we're doing. But I'll tell you this, I'm going to celebrate life. 
I'm going to celebrate. God's going to give me one more week to serve him. Two more weeks, two more years, three more years. I just think it's a privilege. Because one day I'm going to face him. And J Brother John, you're going to face him at the Judgment of Christ. And you, you're, going to, you're going to be rewarded for every child that came in on that bus that you visited all day Saturday. Yesterday was raining and cold. And I was sitting here trying to get my composure together after uh, I found out about Brandon. It's down here at the altar. And I asked Chris to come in here and pray with me for him. Man, they're going out there, a whole team of teenagers, rock and rose and rock and roll and everybody else, and they were out there knocking on doors in that cold rain. I said, praise God. They're going to receive a reward for that. Amen. They are receiving awards from it. These little kids come and they get saved. Amen. Daddy gets saved. Mama gets saved. But Nate, uh, in his perspective was this, uh, of the short time we have on this earth, it seemed to help him turn from a lukewarm Christian, he said, to being fired up for God. After reading the track, he walked away from the great financial wealth and being one of the greatest athletes in England's history to become a missionary in China and Africa. And what did the track say? I want to read it to you. This is from an atheist. He said, did I firmly believe, as millions say they do, that the knowledge and practice of religion in this life influence destiny and other, another, another religion would mean to me everything. I would cast away all earthly enjoyments as dross, earthly cares as folly, and earthly thoughts and feelings as vanity. Religion would be my first waking thought and my last image before sleep sank me into the unconsciousness. I would labor in its cause alone. I would take thought for tomorrow of eternity alone. I would esteem one soul gained for heaven worth a life of suffering. This atheist said, if I really believed in this death, burial, and resurrection religion, he said, earthly consequences would never stay my hand, nor seal my lips. Earth, its joy and its griefs would occupy no moment of my thoughts. I would strive to look upon eternity alone and on an immortal souls around me, soon to be everlastingly happy or everlastingly miserable in hell. I would go forth to the world and preach it in season out of season and my text would be, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Mr. Studd said, I at once saw that this was truly consistent Christian life. When I look back upon my own life, I saw how inconsistent it had been. I therefore determined that from that time forth, my life would be consistent. And I set myself to know what was God's will for me. But this time I determined not to consult with flesh and blood, but just wait, waiting upon, until God should show me. So I want you to think about this. What does it profit you to have all and not to serve Christ? I'll tell you one day, it's all going to come out in the fire. and We're going to give account at the judgment seat of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you, dear God, for this message that should motivate us all as we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
And God, what a test it's going to be. What a day that's going to be of judgment. And Lord, we ought to fear facing you empty-handed. Lord, bless the invitation now. Help us to judge ourselves lest we be judged. Help us to repent. Help us to evaluate. Help us, God, to revamp our life according to your will. Help us to be willing to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is only our reasonable service. And help us, dear God, to be constrained by your love that we might serve you willingly, faithfully. And as C.T. Studd said, consistently for your glory. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I tried my best in 30 minutes to preach a preach a topic that covers all eternity. The judgment seat of Christ will take place and it'll either be wood, hay, and stubble or it'll be precious jewels, precious metals, and precious gold and a precious crown that you'll cast at his feet. I want you to think about your faithfulness. I want, to think about, I want you to think about your priorities. I want, to think, I want you to think about why you come to this church consistently and faithfully. I want you to understand that God has given you everything. If you don't believe it, shake your fist at God and watch Him take your heartbeat away from you and you'll thank Him for the next one. But you'd say, preacher, I want to be ready for the judgment seat of Christ best I can. So I want to be found faithful. And I want you to pray for me that I'll do just that. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? I've got to lift mine. I've got to lift both of them. I just want to be faithful. I want to be consistent. I want to be fervently compassionate. I want to be a good example to all of you. I want to be here on time. I want to be here early for Sunday school. I want to be in leadership. I want to be a servant. I don't want to be a big shot. I don't want to be a star. All I want to be is a servant until God calls me home. And then when God calls me home, or the rapture takes place, and when the rapture takes place, I want to say, dear God, I did it for you. And here's your crown. Father, use this message and thank you, God, that we can get a greater vision of, of the judgment seat of Christ as Christians. And I thank you for the opportunity to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might and all our mind. God, thank you for Calvary. And I want to thank you for every day. I want to thank you for every penny that you've given me over these years and every ounce of strength, every thought. God, for my family, for my dear wife, that's down serving right now. God, thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these wonderful people to serve God with. Thank you for their diligence. Thank you for their faithfulness. So dear God, as we turn our eyes upon Jesus, help us to realize one day we're going to give account of what sort it is. God, may we be constrained by your love is our prayer. In Jesus' name.